Fantastic. Go ahead and clap again. Y'all are getting good at it. Had uh, two, uh, two families join the church in the 9 o'clock service, Jerry and Mona Huey and Jim and Pamela King. And uh, we're glad to welcome them to Kavanaugh Church. Uh, they go back and forth from first service to second service. They were at the first service today and joined, but it's good for both services. You join at one service, you're, you're in for the other two, you know what I mean? So, wow, wow. I don't know if you need a miracle today. Does anybody here need a miracle? You know, it, it may be just as easy as taking Jesus at his word. I think he has a miracle for you today. Will you take him at his word? You know, we don't live very long before we realize that in life, we are constantly bumping up against things that we cannot fix, nor can we change, no matter how hard we try. Huh? Have you learned that? It could be an illness that we just can't seem to get over. Or maybe a son or a daughter who has chosen a lifestyle that is just breaking our heart. It could be a sin that we keep tripping over and falling into. It It might be a financial hole that we just can't seem to climb out of. I think you're getting my drift and you know what I'm talking about. It is into this kind of broken world that Jesus came. And he revealed himself at the intersection of human weakness and divine power. Hmm. Let's open our Bibles this morning to John chapter 4. We're going to look at a few verses at the end of the chapter. This spring I'm doing a series of messages on the miracles of Jesus that are recorded in the Gospel of John. And all of these miracles that we'll be studying happened at the intersection of our human weakness and at God's divine power. The Apostle John was uh, uh, writing and, and his entire message has a particular theme in mind. He wanted his readers who read his gospel to understand who Jesus is. And so he specifically chose seven miracles. Now Jesus performed a lot of miracles, but John only records seven miracles. They all point to Jesus Christ and tell us that He is our salvation. He is the only way to be saved. In fact, later on in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 30, John wrote and said, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you might believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in Him you might have life in his name. That was John's goal in writing his gospel. And I'm here to tell you it is my goal in preaching this series of sermons this spring. I long for those of you who are not saved to be saved. It really is my heart's desire that you believe in Jesus Christ and you find life in his name. I also long for those of you who have been followers of Jesus, whether it be six months or 60 years to be encouraged to keep trusting in Jesus' name. To keep taking Him at His word and following Him in faith every day. So today we're going to look at the second miracle that is recorded in John's gospel. It's in story form and it starts in chapter 4 verse 46. What we're going to do today is I'm just going to read this passage and comment as I go. I normally have two, three, or four points. Today, this sermon is pointless, all right? Come on, 
Just a little humor to wake you up. There, I do have some PowerPoints at the end there to uh, encourage you. But uh, let's just read the story and, and comment as we read along. Verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, people were still talking about the first miracle that Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee when he turned the water into wine. We studied that last Sunday. From that point, Jesus went on to Jerusalem, and I'm sure there he performed many other miracles. But in chapter 4, he is returning to Cana of Galilee, and when he gets to Cana, he encounters a certain nobleman. This is a man of great importance, probably a person in Herod's court. His home is 20 miles away in Capernaum where he has a wife and at least one child. We know about this son who is desperately ill. Verse 47 says, When he heard, that is the nobleman heard, that Jesus had come out of Judah into Galilee, he went to him. And he implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now again, understand back in this day there are no newspapers, there are no TVs, no cell phones, you can't text. But news still spread quickly. I guess when there are people, news is going to spread, huh? Uh, here it is spreading by word of mouth and it's being spread about Jesus Christ. Not only had he performed this miracle in Cana of Galilee... When he turned water into wine, he had just come from Jerusalem where we know that he performed many other miracles. And word had reached this nobleman that there is an amazing man named Jesus Christ who can perform miracles. This nobleman has a son back home who is critically ill. He and his wife have tried everything to bring healing to their son to no avail. At this point, they are desperate. Their son is near death. And I don't know if this strikes a chord in your heart, but if you've had kids who have been sick, I think you feel for this man. Their son is dying. He is desperate. He's heard about this man who can perform miracles, and so he goes on a search for Jesus Christ. Literally, Jesus has become his last hope. Church, I want you to notice the verbs that John chose here to describe this father's action. It tells us in verse 47 that first of all, he heard about Jesus and then he went to where Jesus was. But having found Jesus, he then, the third verb is, implored him. That's the New King James Version word. He implored Jesus. Uh, more modern translations use the word begged. He begged Jesus. And the word is a pretty intense word. It means that the man kept on begging. It's as if he would not take no for an answer. He kept begging Jesus to heal his son. As I read this story, and as I read that particular verse 47, where he heard, he went, he begged, I thought, that's a perfect picture of prayer. Really, this is what prayer is all about. We are like this father who is crying out to Jesus. We hear the truth about God, that He can change our lives. He has the power to do that. And so by faith, we respond to what we know is true about Jesus. Here's what we do. 
we leave our need and we come to Jesus. Some of you have left your need this morning. Maybe your need is a wayward child, a hundred or a thousand miles away. You've left your need and you've come to Jesus. Maybe your need is, is back home or back at work or in your neighborhood or maybe it's, it's what's not in the bank. <laughs> but you've got a need. You've left the need and you've come to Jesus. Here's what this man did. He left his need 20 miles away. He came and found Jesus. And when he found Jesus, he brought his need before Jesus. So even though your need may be a hundred miles away, you are here in the presence of Jesus. And you know what? You can bring your need, even though it may be far away, you can bring your need to Jesus. That's amazing. That's what prayer is. Here is an encounter between a man and Jesus that again occurs in Cana of Galilee. But it involves a need 20 miles away in Capernaum. He went before Jesus here for a need that existed somewhere else. From our place of prayer, we can impact things far away. Prayer is life's limitless reach. How many of you have kids that don't live where you live? They live somewhere else. Sure. Do you pray for them? Yeah. Especially when you know they have a need. This, this father's son was 20 miles away, but yet he brought that need to Jesus. I, I told the first service, my, uh, my middle daughter, Callie's in, in Waco, Texas, down there in Texas, far, far away from her daddy who can't be there to hold her hand and take care of her. And uh, he, she called me the other day and she said, uh, she said, Dad, what you doing? I told her what I was doing. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going kayaking down the Brazos River. I said, Callie, Callie Harmon, have you ever been in a kayak before? No, no, but I... I I've seen it. I've seen it. I said, okay, Callie, listen, kayaks are pretty dangerous. If they turn over, there's a trick to get them flipped back up. If you don't know that trick, you're going to drown under the water. Do you know the trick? She said, nah, but I'll figure it out. I'm telling you, that girl's just like her mama. Uh, so I said, okay, have a good day. You text me when you're finished so I know that you're alive. I hung up the phone, and do you know what I did? Come on, you know what I did? I got down on my knees. I said, dear Lord Jesus, please, please be with that girl. She knoweth not what she doeth. <laughs> Let me tell you on a serious note, that that's what you can do today. Leave your need wherever it is. Come here in the presence of Jesus and then bring that need to Jesus. Hmm? Now, Jesus says something to this father in John chapter 4 that at first seems like a rebuke to the man, but I really don't think he was rebuking the man. I think he was speaking to the crowd of people around him. In verse 48, Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. So apparently this crowd had gathered around Jesus and this royal official. And Jesus knows that many of the people present were just there waiting and wanting to see a miracle. That, that, that's all they were. They, they, they thought it was a carnival show. They wanted to see Jesus do this next big thing. But Jesus decided right then and there he wasn't going to dazzle them that day with a miracle on the spot. 
He was going to do it a different way. And so verse 49 says, The nobleman said to him, Sir, please come down before my child dies. I think this man's getting pretty emotional. I, I, I really don't think he, he saw or heard or knew what else was going on there. He was so focused on Jesus and so focused on that need 20 miles away that he begged Jesus, This is my son. This is my boy. He's dying. Please come quickly. This father doesn't fully understand the power of Jesus at this point. That's evident. He thinks the only way Jesus can help him and heal his son is if Jesus trekked 20 miles down the road with him, go into his home, into the bedroom where his boy is sick on the bed, and literally touch his son and heal him. He thinks that's the only way that, that his son can be healed. So you can imagine the father's surprise when in verse 50 Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. And I like this next part. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. <laughs> wow. That's pretty amazing to me. Jesus gave him a command. Go. Toodaloo. Turn around. Go home. Your son's okay. I've just taken care of it. He's okay. He's going to be all right. You go back home. Turn around and go. You see, Jesus made a promise, your son will live. And then he gave the man a commandment, go your way. But he expected the man to act on the promise by leaving Jesus and going back home by himself. Can I tell you something, church? That's what faith is. This is a picture of faith. Simply taking Jesus at his word. Trusting that what Jesus says is true. In fact, I would say to you the greatest faith is the faith that simply stands on the word of Jesus even when there is no evidence. Faith is living in the assurance that God's word is true in spite of our feelings or even our circumstances. So he believed, <laughs> he turned. I don't know, again, I think there's a point of application. Maybe you're here today facing a situation where you feel things are just like this child, close to death. Your life is a mess. Things are crumbling and falling apart. You can't get a grip on it. It's just, just closing in around you. Let me tell you. Jesus has the power to turn things around. He can do that. Here's what you need to do, though. You need to get in the Word of God... And you need to anchor your life on the rich promises that God gives us in His Word. God gave this man a promise. Your son is okay. Followed by a command. You go home. You need to go to the Word of God and find your miracle because it's here. Your miracle is in the Word of God. You take the Word of God and claim it. Anchor your life to it. That is your miracle today. You're going to find God in His Word. You're going to find God's Word speaking to you there. But here's what happened to this man. He faces a battle of belief at this point. A test of faith. He has the Word from Jesus that his boy is going to live. But it's going to be some time before he's going to know whether or not it really happened as Jesus promised. His wife can't call him on the cell phone or text him and say, hey, things are great here. <laughs> he
He's 20 miles away. It's going to take him the rest of the day and all night to get back home. And the only thing he has to rely on is this one word from Jesus. And that's it. I don't know. I, to me, that, that would be... I hate waiting. Don't you? Just waiting. I can't hardly imagine this guy walking home. What, what was he thinking about? That, that night, I'm sure it had to be the longest night of his life. I, I, I know what Jesus said to me. I know Jesus told me my son is going to be okay. But will he really be okay? Church, you and I will have our faith tested. It's going to happen. When you reach out and lay hold of a promise of God in his word, we may not see the answer immediately. We're probably not going to. It's that waiting when our faith is tested. But the big question is this. Can I do what this father did? Can I simply take Jesus at his word that everything is going to work out and everything is going to be okay and I can just move on in peace? Well, verse 51 says... As he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Okay, so the nobleman is on his way back home to Capernaum. He's met by an entourage of his servants who have great news for him. The boy's alive. He's living. He's doing great. The servants report exactly what Jesus said would happen. The boy's going to be okay. Everything's great. But this nobleman starts to put two and two together. Verse 52, he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So this papa's doing some math. He's doing some calculations. Verse 53a, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. Church, this is no coincidence. It happened the very moment that Jesus spoke the word. When Jesus said, go, your son lives, that's when he was healed. Can I tell you something? God's timing is always good. In fact, it's perfect. Again, verse 53, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household believed. I've tried to imagine this week, this, this passage alive in my mind. I've tried to think it through and visually see uh, this father actually running. And I don't think he walked any part of the way. I think he was running the whole way. Running into his front yard and his wife opening the door. And there she stands with their son. I don't know how old he was. I picture him as just a little kid, you know. And she's standing there with her son. The, the household staff is around them. And everybody's beaming. They're smiling from ear to ear. And, and, and I think the wife spoke first. Again, I'm just imagining this in my mind. I'm thinking she said, Honey, you can't believe what's happened. I'm here to tell you a miracle has occurred. You know how sick our boy was. Well, he just kept getting worse. He couldn't get out of bed. His fever kept spiking. I, I was holding him, doing everything I could. We were attending him, but he just kept getting worse and worse. His breath was evading. I know he was about to die, but then yesterday, all of a sudden, a miracle happened. His eyes got bright. 
He got out of bed. He started playing. He said, Mama, fix me something to eat. I'm hungry. <laughs> she said, Honey, this is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. And I'm so happy. I'm sure this nobleman, we'll call him Mr. Noble. <laughs> I'm sure he was just smiling. He said, Babe, I know. Because yesterday, I met Jesus. And he is just as amazing as we heard. Babe, the, the craziest thing. All he did was say, go on home. I've taken care of it. And so apparently, babe, long distance, Jesus healed our son. And it just took him one word to do it. And I'm here to tell you, honey, and I'm here to tell you, son, and I'm here to tell you, household staff, Jesus is real. He's the real deal. And I believe him. I believe he is the son of God. And I'm placing my faith in him. And as they rejoiced and hugged, the wife placed her faith in Jesus. The son believed in Jesus. The entire household staff believed in Jesus. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's what Jesus wants. That's what John was after when he wrote this gospel. Jesus doesn't want people to just admire him. But he wants us to follow him. And trust him. And to give him our hearts. Jesus doesn't want people just to be amused by his power and his miracles. But he wants us to commit our all to him. To trust him with everything we have. Here again, church, a human need becomes a platform for God's power to be displayed. And as a result, there are numerous people who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Look at this last verse, verse 54. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed having come from Judah into Galilee. This is a miraculous sign. Yes, it is a miracle. But the miracle is pointing to a person. This miracle points back to Jesus, who through one word changed the family. See, Jesus is the hero. It's his word we need to be listening to. So church, as I close my message this morning, here's what you need to know about Jesus. Just five things real quick. Number one, his word is sure. This father only had one word from Jesus. Go, your son lives. You and I have a Bible full of promises from God that are just as sure. So take Jesus at his word. Read it. Take it from him. It's true. It's sure. Jesus' word is sure. Number two, his power is great. His power can do what you can't do for yourself. <laughs> Jesus spoke a word to a despairing father in Cana, and immediately the son 20 miles away in Capernaum was healed. L listen, the, the God who spoke the world into existence from nothing can do some amazing things with just one word. He's that powerful. So take him at his word. Number three, Jesus is the Lord of life. Three times in this story, we see the words, your son lives. Your son 
lives. Your son lives. Now, how could Jesus do that? Well, it's because Jesus lives. He was crucified on the cross, buried in the tomb, but he didn't stay there. <laughs> he lives today. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has the power to give life. He is the Lord of life. So if you need the miracle of life today, of new life, you trust in Jesus. Number four, his timing is perfect. So just take him at his word. This, this official had to wait a day and a night to know if Jesus' word was good. And it was. When you take Jesus' promise, you may have to wait. Your faith may be tested. You may have to wait a week or a month or a year, or several years. But the important thing is you just keep trusting his word. Because his timing is perfect. The fifth thing I want you to know, Jesus is good. Jesus is good. I mean, isn't he good? This father loved his son. It's evident. He loved his boy. But the cool thing is this. Jesus loved that boy even more. And he loves you today. So if you need a miracle, he can do it. Jesus could pull it off. Just take him at his word. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would do that this morning. That we would take you at your word. That we would respond in faith. Lord, there's someone in this room who needs to come in faith today and receive you as Savior of their life. I pray that they would step out and come to the altar and receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, for the rest of us who just need to, need to claim a promise today, we, we need you to work in our life. May we, like this Father, bring our need before you. And as he begged, may we come and beg and pray and ask you to take care of our need. Lord, I know there's no problem too big that you can't handle. So would you meet the needs of my friends today? I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? I'm going to ask our baptismal candidates to go and prepare for the baptism, but I'm asking you to come right now and pray at the altar. If Jesus is speaking to you, would you come? Come and pray. Would you come? God.